Hi folks, welcome to the Happy Saver podcast. Your friends might not want to talk about their journey with money, but I sure do. I'm Ruth and I'm a blogger on personal finance in New Zealand and in this podcast series I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. Recently, I spoke with Brett and his partner Shelley. Now, Brett is a guy who spent the last year and a half going from super consumer to super saver. He said he felt like he had been in the matrix and has only just woken up after realising he had been sucked into a giant consumer machine. Where he used to use money to buy endless stuff, he is now using it as a currency to buy back his time. But before I get started, here is a quick message from today's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Superlife Invest. I used to be scared to invest because I didn't understand how I could do it myself, so cash just sat around in my bank account earning very little, but I knew that I was missing out on investment returns by not taking action. Superlife Invest offer a broad range of investment options that make it easy for you to invest, whether it's for the very first time or for seasoned investors. You can pick and mix funds to make up a portfolio or keep it super simple by choosing a managed fund that suits your risk profile. Their fees are low, you can adjust your portfolio at any old time free of charge and keep track of your balance using their awesome mobile app. It is actually really easy to become an investor, you just have to take action and make a start. Go on, you know you can do it. So jump onto superlife.co.nz to sign up in minutes and download a copy of the product disclosure statement and choose a Superlife, which is managed by SmartShares, for your savings and investments. Brett is now aged 52. Now he and his siblings were born in Auckland and money was never an issue growing up. His father was an airline pilot with a very high income and each one of them always got what they wanted, whether they needed it or not. As a family, they moved around every couple of years and looking back on it now, he recognises a classic case of lifestyle creep. Each time they moved, the house got a bit bigger, the cars got replaced and there was always a lot of stuff being bought and a lot of cash going out the door. And this was completely normal to Brett. This was simply how he was raised. Now, many years later, he was with his first wife and they lived in a nice neighbourhood and they had just purchased a nice boat. And he recalls sitting at his mailbox, looking back at his nice new boat in the driveway and just not feeling right. But he could not put his finger on it. He thought that buying a boat would make him really happy, but it didn't. Instead, it made him reflect on his upbringing and his own father, and he got the feeling that he was never happy either, despite all the stuff that he was endlessly buying. Brett was just repeating the process he'd learned during his upbringing. Sitting there that day, looking back at his nice new boat, he could not work out what was wrong, and it is only very recently, many, many years later, that the penny has dropped, and he has come to realise that material things can't actually buy you happiness. Because pretty quickly, the gloss of buying that new boat, it wore off, and he was looking for the next thing to purchase to bring him another shot of happiness. There will always be that next thing to purchase, and Brett could never seem to find out how much was enough but he had a damn good shot at trying. So let's back up the truck a bit and find out a bit more about Brett before we find out where he and his partner Shelley are at today. When he left school, he began to follow in his father's footsteps 
and he got both private and commercial pilot licenses. His parents helped pay the fees, but Brett also worked part-time in a warehouse while he studied, and then at the young age of just 22, he headed to Fiji to fly for Sunflower Airlines. Isn't that such a great name? And he flew for them for a couple of years. It was pretty much a given that after doing his time flying in Fiji, his path was set to follow his father's footsteps into bigger airlines like Air New Zealand. But pretty soon after he started his work in Fiji, he started losing a heap of weight really quickly and medical tests showed that he actually had type 1 diabetes. He was pronounced medically unfit to fly, his commercial licence was suspended and his move to Air New Zealand was lost. So dream over, career over, all that study, prep and planning out the window and it was a massive blow. But he returned home and he got his health under control and he went and spent a year down at Otago University in Dunedin because he knew he needed to do something to start again. And he began to study a law degree but he said his head was not into it at all and he actually only managed to do one year. He was just floundering around trying to find his place in the world again. Now, although he could no longer hold a license to fly, he still had all the training and he still had all the skills and he managed to secure a job in a ground school for a flying academy in Auckland, teaching other people to fly instead. And then from there, at the age of 27, he did end up working for Air New Zealand and that is where he still works today, 24 years later, as a flight planner where he maps out the routes for pilots to follow. Now, it took time and a few false starts, but he got himself back into the industry he really wanted to be in. Brett really enjoys his work. He's paid $130,000 a year to do it, and he's part of a really cohesive team with a great culture, he told me, and he works a roster of six days on and three days off. Now, today, Brett has a 17-year-old daughter from his first marriage, and he has been with his partner, Shelley, for the last 15 years. Now during our chat I spoke mostly to Brett but Shelley dipped in and out of the conversation which was invaluable. Shelley works 20 to 30 hours a week in event management and she has always been the frugal one in the relationship. She was just waiting for Brett to catch on to the idea. She could not believe how much money he spent all the time, like going out for dinner several nights a week and spending money like it was literally going out of fashion. He was not just doing his level best to keep up with the Joneses, he was Mr Jones and he always wanted to combine their finances but she said, no way, not until you are better with your own money are you mixing it up with mine. He told me that Shelley is a really patient woman because he has only just come around to her way of thinking more recently and when I asked how she was coping with the huge change in Brett, she said that watching him do this 180 degree turn in thinking was not that difficult because he's just coming around to the way that she has always handled money. Now Brett has always owned a property of some sort and one of these properties relates to his biggest financial triumph. When he was about 32 years old he saw a property for sale in a small place called Mangakino. He told me that at that time it was a town that you drove through with your car doors locked but the place was gorgeous and he purchased a full waterfront section with a jetty for just $35,000. Now at that time he told me no one was buying there. And about six months after he purchased it, he was approached by a developer looking to buy up a lot of property and he sold it for $250,000, making a tidy $215,000 profit. I of course asked him what he did with this money and he had no idea. He thinks he probably spent it but he does not know where and the fact that he could not pinpoint what he did with $215,000 probably gives a pretty good indication of how he handled his money. 
When he separated from his wife, he bought out her share of the family home and he also bought a small house in the same suburb, apparently an ex-tinny house um, for $200,000 that he then rented out. But he didn't actually have any money to purchase these properties and instead he took on about a $750,000 mortgage to do it. And why buy one house when two is better, right? He couldn't recall the exact figure of his debt because this did not worry him in the slightest. It was just what he was used to doing. Now, another side to Brett is that he has a side hustle as a professional photographer and a pretty good one at that. It all began six months after he parted from his first wife and he had then met Shelley. She had an interest in photography and because he liked to buy lavish gifts, he bought her a new camera and they both joined a camera club. Well, pretty quickly, he got really into it and he started entering competitions and actually winning them. Then he even started training commercial photographers himself and he saw an opportunity to start a business. So he thought, how about I buy a warehouse to photograph in? So he sold the ex-marital home and he bought a 550-metre single-level warehouse on an 820-square-metre site in Auckland for $750,000 and he kitted out a studio inside it. He also added another giant expense to his business and he purchased a $40,000 camera so he could take the perfect photo. And he had great clients, the likes of Juicy Rentals and others, and his side gig was awesome and it grew really, really quickly. He was pulling in dollars to $70,000 per year on top of his day job. Not a bad gig. Now things went really well for a couple of years and then the work started to slow down and the business got harder. So he said to Shell, I think we need to cut our losses and sell the warehouse or maybe rent it out. He approached an agent and was told that he could get $65,000 a year in rent. So that's exactly what he did. And now eight years later, he has a steady tenant, just the second tenant that they've actually had in the building, who is 15 months into a three-year contract and this guy runs an automotive repair business, and Brett and Shell are now receiving $75,000 in rent a year, and the tenant is paying all the overheads. Brett does not use a property manager, but deals with the tenant directly, and he told me that at the moment, the current tenant is developing a bit of a habit of being a late payer, and apparently a standard dance has developed each month where Brett is having to hustle him for payment, but they've actually developed a system where he pays in chunks over the month. Now Brett is not worried as he has a good relationship with the guy and both of them know that if late paying goes beyond a month, lawyers are going to become involved and neither of them want that. And Brett tells me that he actually really enjoys dealing with the tenant and with this commercial property. Now, the building that was purchased as a side hustle and only rented out because his own business failed has become a great investment for them and the value of the site has grown to a whopping $1.75 million. He still works as a photographer as a side hustle, but he now picks and chooses his work and it brings him in anywhere from ten dollars to $35,000 each year. So for them, this commercial property has turned into the goose that laid the golden egg, but his greatest financial flop also relates to a property transaction. Shell referred to Brett as Mr. Immediate because he makes sudden decisions like buying a warehouse without thinking through all of the consequences. About 10 years ago, he and Shelley were living in their current home and he had the commercial property and the small rental which he referred to as the ex-tinny house that he paid $200,000 for. But because he was continuing the lifestyle that he had learned growing up, and continued to spend willy-nilly, he was actually $40,000 in credit card debt and sinking deeper. So to clear his debt, 
he sold the small rental for about $360,000. In hindsight, he should have held onto the property, stopped spending so much and paid off his credit card using his very good income. But he saw no reason to make any changes to his spending behaviour at that time and life just carried on as normal. Now let's talk about Shelley for a minute as throughout my conversation with Brett, she came and went from the room and chipped in her valuable two cents. Brett described her in this way. Shell is a very well-balanced woman with an intellect deep-seated in common sense. Me, on the other hand, I behave like I'm in a circus most of the time, but Shelley grounds me. Now, both of them agreed that Shelley is very good with money and, unlike Brett, always has been. She is just not a spender, prefers a thrift shop over the malls and buys and sells on Trade Me for a profit. She house hacks by renting out their downstairs rooms to flight attendants And because she works in hospitality, earning about $40,000 a year, she brings home delicious food, which saves on the grocery bill. She actually used to work as a funeral director, but now prefers the industry she is in, even if it earns a lower income, just above minimum wage. Her current role is less stressful, and she has worked out that if you always spend less than you earn, then you can't help but save for your future. And she sounds like a very practical and calm person to me. Brett has now concluded that it has nothing to do with your income, but it is all about what proportions of your income you spend and you save. Shelley, on the other hand, worked this out long ago. Her parents live in Christchurch and live a frugal but a good retirement. Brett's parents are separated and his mother is doing well, but his dad is still in spending mode. His dad was on $300,000 a year as an income up until just two years ago when he retired at the age of 77. He does have a freehold house that he lives in, but after all of those years on an incredibly high salary, he has just $400,000 in savings. He has now taken on part-time work as a taxi driver, earning $20 an hour. Now this, Brett said, is the end result of living your life as a high-income earner and a high-spender with no savings mindset. Shelley has been doing her level best to teach Brett, also known as Mr. Immediate, not to be so out of control with his money. She is a very patient woman because he said he has spent the last 10 years becoming aware of his behaviours, but it was only a year ago that the penny finally dropped and he has changed. Listening to them talk actually reminded me of my own mother who was a smoker for 30 plus years. We all hated it, but nothing that we could ever say or do would make her stop smoking. And finally, one day of her own deciding, she did stop. And then she drove my dad, in particular, a little bit nuts because she was always stuffing nice smelling things like rose-scented soap under his nose saying, smell this, it's amazing, or taste this pesto, it's amazing. She had just recovered her sense of taste and smell after 30 years and she couldn't wait to teach us all about it. Now Brett has just woken up to how money works and he is on cloud nine about it too and wants to talk about it all the time. As he is a spender and she is a saver, I was interested to know how they handle money together. He spent the first 14 years of their relationship saying, let's just have joint accounts, but she spent 14 years saying, hell no, I don't trust you to not spend all of my money as well as your own. And only when she saw him finally change in the last year have they joined their finances and everything they have is jointly owned now. And I greatly admire her for holding out like that because she was quite right to be concerned. So what on earth happened to Brett about a year ago to make him switch from a spender to a saver? Well, going back a wee bit further, about four years ago, Brett had come across Mr Money Mustache. Now, if you don't know him, this is a Canadian blogger called Pete Adeney, 
who retired at the age of 30. And listening to him, it rung a few bells with Brett. He understood the message of living on less than you earn and saving aggressively, but he didn't relate it to his own situation that much. But a year ago, he looked at it again and boom, this time he connected with the message. This time, big alarm bells went off about the debt they had and what he had to do to get out of it. And he thought at that time, I'm 51 now and I want to be debt free by 55. I need to crack on with clearing debt now. His firm belief was that not buying stuff would make him less happy, but it dawned on him that the reverse is actually true. He explained that he feels like he had been sucked into a giant machine of consumerism and impulse spending. People like himself trying to impress others with their perceived wealth, people with vehicles on tick and large houses with mortgages so large that they will never pay them off. He said he felt like he had been in the matrix his entire life and had only just woken up and seen what was truly going on. Now, a walk down the street is different for Brett today. He used to look at an $80,000 car driving by and think, wow, they must be really successful and wealthy. And now all he can see is depreciation and car repayments. And when I asked him what his money elevator pitch is now, a sentence that would sum up his approach to money, he said, it's not about the money at all. It's about creating time to allow you the freedom to do what you want to do with your time. Money is the currency I will be using to create time. So Brett is clearly a changed man and I was interested to know what this situation is like today. They had been consistently paying down their debt but now they are aggressively paying it down and there is a big difference between the two. Their house still had $77,000 owing on it when we spoke in early June and the warehouse has a mortgage of $200,000. Now the intention is to have the house paid off by around June 2019. That is just one year to clear $77,000 Its current valuation, by the way, is about $880,000. Now, his intention is then to destroy the remaining warehouse debt of $200,000 by 2022 and be debt-free for the first time in his life. Shelley interrupted at this point to say he is going at it hammer and tongs now and he predicts in three to four years his time will be his own again and he can decide when and if he wants to work for the man. He does enjoy his job and will have the option of reducing his hours and job sharing with a colleague if that's what he wants to do. The mortgage is with HSBC as he was able to secure a floating interest rate of 4.89% through working for Air New Zealand. However, he is throwing, wait for it, $8,400 at it per month to knock it out. Now this is a huge amount of money and he said he is finding it really empowering to put that money to better use than just buying more stuff. He said that HSBC are rubbish to deal with as far as technology goes. He has to email them to make extra payments, for example. But hey, dealing with a bank for lending will soon be a thing of the past. Brett is a reformed man, but he still has his consumer weaknesses. And when I asked him what he thinks the biggest hurdle to becoming financially independent is, he said it is his tendency to still want to upgrade things. Recently he upgraded his e-bike that he uses to commute to work and this is a bike that he built himself from parts purchased off the internet at a total cost of about $2,500. He has recently replaced a really complicated part that he did try his best to explain to me but I still don't understand if I'm honest. Um, The upshot is that the upgrade cost him an additional $280 but he figures that it costs him $0.36 to get to work and back for six days It's a 8.5 kilometre ride each way and he is saving a fortune by not using a vehicle. 
Oh, and on a side note, a recent email from Brett said that another side hustle is forming itself here and a couple of people have asked him to make bespoke e-bikes for them. And I get the feeling that retirement for Brett will be full of things to do, but you can be sure that they will be things that he wants to do, like building e-bikes. Now, this is where podcasts can get really quite voyeuristic, but I think that when people like Brett are open to sharing their numbers, that is where you and I can learn what other people are actually doing with their money. Now, we've covered off their diminishing debt, and when it comes to saving, there is a fair bit going on here too. Brett has a private super fund with Air New Zealand, and they match, one for one, up to 7.5% of his take-home pay. He is taking full advantage of this employer match, and he has now accumulated $320,000 in the super fund. And if he were to leave his work, he could, and he would, take this money and put it into a Vanguard fund, he said. Now, up until his turning point of about a year ago, he took little or no notice of this retirement fund. Now, I once heard it said that the best savers are those who are dead or those who forget to check their accounts. Now, turning a blind eye obviously had its benefits as the balance has crept ever higher for Brett. And with his new focus, he is now keeping an eye on this fund and how it is actually performing. They each have their own KiwiSaver funds as well with Simplicity in the growth fund. And the combined total is sitting at $100,000 here with Shelley having more than half of this amount. He is only contributing um, $1,042 a year to get the member tax credit of $521 per year, but Shelley is a lot more active with hers. And I'm pleased that this is a focus for her, as it's really important that she save hard for her own retirement as well. They have also recently started investing with InvestNow using their Vanguard fund, and there is currently $10,000 in there, and they are contributing $800 a month to this fund. But it is his intention to build this up as the mortgage debt disappears. And let's face it, once that debt is gone, if their salaries continue to come in, and with the rent from the commercial property, which he refers to as his golden goose, they are going to build up their investments extremely quickly. Now, I did ask the question of why don't they just throw that Vanguard money on the mortgage, but they are happy with the status quo. And I have noticed that a lot of people that suddenly turn their attention to their money for the first time are just really itching to start investing at the same time as paying down that debt. My personal thought on that is that the focus should be on debt repayment, but you can make a small start on investing just to learn the ropes. And when your debt is clear, you can then ramp up the investing because you have been educating yourself in how the system works. Now, the two of them, they have several bank accounts with a different New Zealand-owned bank from their mortgage bank. They have a Brett and Shell working account and they discuss with each other any purchases that they make over $50 from this account. And by talking about it, each of them know exactly what is happening with their money. There is also a splurge account for Brett and a splurge account for Shelley. They have a Mojo account, which is an idea that they've borrowed off a barefoot investor and this is where they hold their emergency fund. They also have an account for Shelley when she earns some money from renting out the downstairs rooms. And I like this, the dog even has an account, which apparently is better stocked than Brett's splurge account. Now there's also an account for the photography business and finally one for the warehouse as well. Now in their splurge accounts, they give themselves an allowance of $50 per week to do with whatever they choose without consulting the other person. And if they don't spend it, they get to build it up and it's to spend purely on themselves. They have slashed their living expenses and because of the food that Shelley is able to bring home from work, their grocery bill is a tiny $50 per week. Now he bikes to work each day, 
They spend just $50 on petrol a month. They do have two cars, by the way, both of them over 10 years old. And when they do become debt-free, their level of spending won't be increasing of that, I'm pretty sure. And if I were to give Brett $10,000 right now, what would he do with it? Now, it was a question he had thought about prior to our chat, and he would do two things. He would divide it in half and put $5,000 into the Vanguard Fund, and with the rest, he would go to France with Shelley because she loves to travel. He said Shelley has been the voice of reason for all these years, and if she is happy, then he is happy. And I also think that if I asked Brett in 10 years' time what he did with that money, this time round, he would probably remember. Going forward, once the debt is gone, the plan is that the warehouse will bring them in a very generous passive income of $75,000 a year before tax. They plan to have $600,000 saved up in other investments from which they can apply the 4% rule and withdraw a portion of it each year and still retain and grow the capital. He has the option to reduce his hours of work, which he will consider as an option down the track once he has hit his goals. But both of them like to work and they want to stay connected in that way they maybe would cut down their hours. Now, if you don't know what the 4% rule is, by the way, just check out my blog because I did do a quick post on it quite recently. Now, did they seek out any advice before embarking on a joint financial life together, uh, and Brett in particular making such big changes to his spending? Well, no is the simple answer. Brett's encyclopedia on how not to be so crap with money was actually quietly sitting beside him all this time. And I'm talking about Shelley here. He just finally started to listen to her. He read a few books and a few blogs. And plus he said he had an accountant that he speaks with infrequently. He was asking him in passing about paying off debt. And the accountant told him to pay off his private debt first. So that has guided his strategy. And he knew he needed to pay off debt at some point. And a colleague at work told him to make sure he is debt free before he retires. So it was through consulting widely that he learned a lot. And it just backs up what I say uh, about us all needing to speak to each other more about money. Others' wins and losses are a great source of knowledge. I mentioned that Brett has a 17-year-old daughter and I was interested to know that given his newfound attitude to life, how is he engaging with her on the matter? Now, spare a thought for this teenager who has spent her upbringing, much like Brett's, not ever having to concern herself with money. He had the ability to buy whatever was wanted and take her out to dinner every night that they were together and this is what they often did. He never used to consider the impact this had on her until he reflected on his own upbringing. But now he does consider it and he said that she is a smart woman and a deep thinker and on the three days a week when he is rostered off work, she lives with himself and with Shelley and he enjoys the half hour drive in the car when he takes her to school where she is trapped in the car with her dear old dad. It gives them the opportunity to talk about what is important to the both of them and it actually sounded like a really nice part of the day to me. Now she has got a part time job and he is encouraging her to save 50% of what she earns. He also put a proposition to her that if she does do this, he will match what she saves. Now, she is still thinking this offer over. Now, if you were listening to this, daughter of Brett, I think you might hear every member of the personal finance community in New Zealand shouting at their devices right now, take the match and make sure you get that offer in writing. That's free money and would be one sweet deal. However, (laughs) if in their half our car journey, uh, Brett is managing to impart as much wisdom as he thinks he is, he'd better watch out. If this daughter of his holds him to his word and gets a high-earning part-time job, Brett could be seriously out of pocket here. 
Now, Brett is also aware that next year she is likely to go off to the Auckland University of Technology, and it's going to cost about $15,000 in fees for her to go there. So he has been putting $100 per month into a bank account for her, but he is also um, of the belief that she should be doing this for herself. He read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he does not want to be providing financial outpatient care for his daughter for too long and he wants to give her the skills and the ability to be able to stand on her own two feet and not wait to be given handouts. Now, although Brett was himself helped through study, as soon as it was completed, he was out on his own, and he wants the same for her. I asked Brett if he could retain all of the knowledge he has today regarding money, and he could go back to his 15-year-old self and start again. What would he do, whether it be the same or something quite different? Well, because his daughter is of a similar age, he now tells her to do what he says, not what he did, because he would do everything differently. He tells her to invest half of all she earns into index funds, and if she does that from the age of 15, she will hit fire, which is financial independence retire early, in no time. Too easy. Now, what book, podcast, website or blog has he learned from that he can recommend to you and I? Now, Common Sense on Mutual Funds by Jack Bogle was a 20-hour audiobook, but you can also get it as a book. Yikes, a 20-hour audiobook sounds like a marathon effort in my view. Um, He said it went deep with a lot of detail and he just absorbed it all. It made it very clear to him that index funds beat 80 to 90% of funds by active managers. And he asked the question of why, why would you do anything different? He said he could not keep on beating the market, so why would you even try? And he also said that fundamentally he is quite lazy. Now he then went on to read A Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins and it just backs up what he had already read. Now we wondered why it has taken him so long to hear about index funds as a simple form of investment and he recalled that growing up one of his best mates was a fund manager who now lives in a $7 million property and he pretty much has it all. He could have told Brett about index funds but it would not have paid into his favour. Active fund management is where the money is for these advisors. That's what pays for a $7 million property. But in defence of his friend, perhaps Brett was not in a position to hear about investing of any type, active or passive, at that time in his own life. So now that Brett is almost evangelical about financial independence, are there people he can talk money with? Well, his colleagues fit the bill nicely and he said he can email them and ask blunt questions like, what is your net worth and how did you get it? And they will actually tell him. Given what he has learned about the likes of debt repayment and index fund investing in the last year, he now talks to his colleagues about all of this and how he went about it and it makes him feel really good to be able to share this information and to help other people. He said he takes pride in doing a conversion, as he called it, which I thought was hilarious, but he said it is a tough balance explaining the errors of his youth without preaching and sounding like a complete lunatic. A tough balance indeed. Now at the same time though, if he sees a friend turn up in a brand new car, he knows it's not really his place to comment. Each to their own and after all, this was him for far too many years and others were probably observing his actions at the time and saying nothing as well. Now before I wrap up, I have another quick message from today's sponsor. Now they help me bring you this podcast for free, which is 36 cents less than what it takes Brett to bike to work each week. 
a huge thank you to Super Life Invest for helping me bring this episode to you today. Remember that Super Life, which is managed by SmartShares, is your home for savings and investments, offering both low fees and a broad range of investment options to choose from. Visit superlife.co.nz to download a copy of the product disclosure statement and sign up to Super Life Invest. For 51 of Brett's 52 years, he thought that the key to happiness was to be found by spending money and buying things both for himself and for other people. He had a great income and he was always hunting down that next spending fix. But once he had bought the house, that boat, the new camera and a lengthy list of other stuff, he found that the happiness the item brought him just did not last. And no sooner had he purchased something when something else that he must have caught his eye again. He thought he would be really unhappy if he was frugal. Brett is a good example of it's not what you earn, it's what you save. He has been on a high income for a long time now and money coming into his bank account has never been the issue. Sending it straight back out again has been the problem. And when we spoke, they referenced some friends of Shelley who earn $300,000 per year. Now this guy has just purchased himself a $100,000 vehicle, but he borrowed the full amount interest-free, off his own parents to buy it. He also has a million-dollar mortgage. They refer to him as being pseudo-affluent and the epitome of an under-accumulator of wealth. He does not have an income problem. He too has an expenditure problem, but he is so focused on being seen to have it all that he has not worked out that he even has an issue. Yet. Whether you earn a lot or a little, the key is to spend less than you earn. Now Shelley has well and truly mastered this concept, but Brett has taken his time to work it out and he's pretty annoyed at himself that it has taken him so long to come round to this. It was more luck than strategic planning to buy the properties he has over the years and it is only now that he can see that he can make it work in his favour but he could have retired 10 years ago if he'd spent less than he earned, paid off all debt and saved the difference. But you do live and you do learn. And the penny finally dropped at the age of 51. And just one year later, he has stopped buying stuff. He said that that part of him has well and truly been fixed. And he is intent on finally getting rid of debt, investing as much as possible and sharing his story with others so that they don't make the same mistakes as him. He is a really high energy guy and now that he is focused, he is on one hell of a mission to get ahead. I can see that when he hits fire, he won't be hanging up his computer mouse, but will instead be full on busy with side projects that keep popping up. And another thing he said he is doing is taking longer walks with Shelley, where she is teaching him to stop being Mr. Immediate, but to instead slow down and cool the engine, enjoy each hour of each day and live in the moment for a change. I tell you, that Shelley is one wise woman and you would do very well to listen to her, Brett. That's all from me this week. I'll be back next Wednesday with another money journey of another Kiwi. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit subscribe and it will automatically update in your podcast app each time I release a new episode. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at thehappysaver.com and I would love it if you could give me a five-star review in iTunes and share it with your friends. Those are the best ways that people can learn about my podcast and I would also love it if you would talk more about money with your own friends and help me continue to help others be better with money. So until next time, happy saving.